0: In this episode, we speak with Lavinia Erico, the visionary founder of Equinox Fitness Clubs and the Inside Out movement. A nationally acclaimed fitness and wellness entrepreneur, Erico offers Sage advice on topics ranging from entrepreneurship and leadership to nutrition, self-awareness, and emotional balance. As a sought-after consultant and angel investor in diverse startups, Erico inspires individuals and organizations with her unique, disruptive take on how to create a more powerful, Authentic, inspiring, and joyful journey through
1: life. All right, well, I guess we just start at the beginning. So, what inspired you to start Equinox? So, I think, like
0: every entrepreneur, you
1: start with something
0: that you're yearning for. And this was in the late 80s, and my brothers and I were living in New York City. And those of you who know what the 80s was like, it was a time where it was all about fashion and music and shoulder pads, and it was just exciting. But people were going to work, and right from work, they were going to happy hour. And then from happy hour, they were going to lounges and clubs, and then from clubs, they were going into the night, they were going into the discos. And we would go out and just be like, why can't someone open up a gym that's going to attract these people with the same sensibility, the same sexiness and the cool lighting and the great vibe and the just really great-looking people. Like, why <laughs> can't we somebody do that? And we just sat around and complained about it in New York City for, uh, you know, six months. And then I think we looked at each other and said, well, why don't we do it? And at that is the moment that put us into action,
1: And we just literally started creating it. So what was your life like before that? Because, you know, up until that moment, it wasn't like you were in the fitness industry and you were, you know, doing business. This was kind of a a new idea for you. So what was life like before?
0: It was a new idea, but we were really, my mom said that when we came out of the womb, we came out with sneakers on. (laughs) And there were six of us and that we were just incredibly physical. We were just these physical kids that were always jumping and climbing and playing every sport and going, going, going. And then I was a dancer. My brothers were both athletes. And I taught aerobics when I was in college. I actually went to USC and I couldn't afford a gym. All right. I couldn't afford a gym. So it was like, all right, I'll teach. Started teaching aerobics so that I could work out for free. And then I moved back to New York, and I actually went in as an executive in the cosmetics industry, and I loved what I was doing. It was just great. It was just great. My brothers were in the the construction business, and they were doing well, but we didn't have a gym. We were living up on the upper Upper West Side of Manhattan, and there was no gym. There was no great gym. So we were just sort of running down to one gym to get our our strength training in and then these little aerobic places to get aerobics. And we were miserable because also the gym is part of your community. You know, you're with like-minded people and, you know, we were just yearning for that, that sort of sense of, of existence. And so, you know, that's kind of what we were doing and it just made sense to sort of, go into this area.
1: And how old were you at that time? 28. Okay, so what was that journey like? You're about to start a business. It's the early 90s and you're going into the gym world. Walk us through if you had doubters, if you had to you know overcome those kind of resistant blocks or was everything kind well, of harmonious? First or of those, all, we were all going to yeah. keep our day jobs.
0: <laughs> When we first, well, we opened up our first club, actually, in Westchester, which those of you may know, it wasn't even an equinox. It was called Westchester Health and Fitness. And we did keep our day jobs. And then we sort of liked it. I thought, well, this is kind of great, but we still wanted something in Manhattan because we were living in Manhattan. And even then, I was, we were, they were still doing construction. I was doing um, at that point, I had moved into doing fragrance. I was an executive in a fragrance line. I was actually a regional manager. And we thought we would just open a gym and hire a, a, a manager to run it. And that's kind of was the plan. And then it just started taking off. Like, you know, it's weird. Like, we never thought about not doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, we didn't get stopped. We just knew, We there was like, it, I felt as if it was something beyond us that said, this is your destiny. This is what you're supposed to do. There was never a moment that we doubted. You know, um, there were months that, you know, none of us could pay, uh, you know, could Um, our checks. We couldn't cash our checks. I remember saying to my brother, like, I have to pay my rent. We haven't, you know, there was just no money. We ate. Like, thank God for barter. Do you know what barter is? Thank God for barter, because we lived our life on barter. We bartered with all the, all of the restaurants in New York City. We'll give you two memberships. You give us you know, two thousand dollars worth of barter, and that's how my brothers and I lived because we literally we funded Equinox ourselves. Wow. You know, it, we did not go out and get investment money. Some people gave us a little bit here or there, and you know, in those days, no um, landlord wanted a gym. It, they didn't look at a gym as being a um, a great tenant. So, um, you know, I I really believe that
1: we shifted that. (laughs) So how did you move through some of those early challenges? What was a defining moment for Equinox?
0: You know, um, I I really say this, and it's going to sound corny, but like the stars were aligned. (laughs) The stars were really aligned because we opened up and it was an instant success. So here you are on the Upper West Side, and people were coming from all over Manhattan. You know, they were ro- riding their rollerblades. John Kennedy Jr. was riding his rollerblades <laughs> to come into to Equinox. And everybody was there. It was just crazy. Madonna was there. I mean... Everyone was in this small little gym. It was like a daytime Studio 54. It really was. It it was that. So it just became this place. And then I think what happened was, and first it was all about that, but then we were really creating programs that set us apart. You know, in those days, personal training was really only for the celebrity. It was only for the professional athlete. And we looked at each other and said, well, we love personal training. Let's create a program that's affordable that everyone could do. So then from that we had to actually create a program Equinox Fitness Training Institute that got trainer certified because in those days there really wasn't a certification. So, you know, we really changed the industry in that way and then all of a sudden you know, the statistics in the beginning was that 1% or 2% would actually personal train. And today at any of the Equinoxes, it's 40% of people personal train. Yep. So it, it was really educating and pioneering um, a vision and to say, no, this, this makes a difference in your life.
1: What do you believe about Equinox today separates it from other gym experiences and gives it credence to charge a premium?
0: Um, well, I mean, I think first of all, it has years where it has, it's had that foundation. It's had the foundation to really, to be credible. People understand that if you come to Equinox, you're getting um, a really great product. They know, it's it's smart, they know that we don't just have a trainer that, that goes through a certification and then is training. They have to go through so much in order to get to their levels of training. So I think it really comes down to, they know it's a great product and it's designed well and the culture, there's a culture there that,
1: that um, I think, uh, you know, sets it apart. And I think you're absolutely right about that because what's interesting with Equinox at least in my experience of it, is that they have community days, like come and hang out and meet your fellow gym members. Like I've never seen that before, mm-hmm. not even in you know like traditional um, you know even community senses. Mm-hmm. Like there is there is something that really drives the the get to know you at Equinox that mm-hmm. I think from the outside seems like it would be more oh this is just a pretty people's gym and you know mm-hmm. nobody really talks to each other and everybody's just you know into themselves, but. That's not actually what it is when you get involved, and and there is a sense of community, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to transition out of Equinox, and I want to learn about the Inside Out Movement. Tell us about that. Well, Inside Out Movement really has come from
0: um, just about the time when we opened up Equinox. I had an experience where I realized you can be incredibly fit and incredibly unhealthy. And that was my beginning of my journey of saying, okay, what does it mean to really be fit? And it took me a couple of years to realize that in order to be fit, you have to be spiritually healthy, mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, and physically healthy. And um, through that is when I created the Equinox Wellness Center, which had all different kinds of modalities, and, and it was really about integrating, having an Integrated approach to health and well-being. Um, I mean, even to the point where I remember creating. This was the time when everything was very new agey, and I didn't want to call it a new age center. And I literally remember sitting in the room with our marketing team, and we were trying to figure out the name for what this was going to be. And. And we're sitting there going, you know, healing, optimal healing. And And then somebody said, well, what's the opposite of illness? And it was like, wellness. And we're like, is that even a word? (laughs) I mean, today, it's an entire industry industry wellness. And I remember so clearly, I'm like, why didn't I trademark that? (laughs) I should have trademarked wellness. But that was really the beginning of, of me really saying, okay, like that, and that really became my passion. You know, that became my lane. I loved understanding everything that had to do with the mind body and how our thoughts manifest what actually comes to be and that, that we're all energy. and And I just literally spent, you know, probably... 30 years. My friends joke and say I could have four PhDs by now with how much time I spent on that journey. But you know, from there, it was like the Inside Out movement was like I was so um, fortunate and blessed to have met some of the most amazing healers all over the world. And these people are doing the stuff that they do every single day from 7 o'clock in the morning and some of them are working on people until 12 o'clock at night. And what I was noticing is that they don't have followers on Instagram. <laughs> they are not the ones tweeting. And, and all of a sudden, these other people were doing like, you know, two-month workshops. And they were getting out there in the world as the leaders. And I'm thinking, no, you don't become a leader in, this, in that lane in two months because you've did an online workshop, it takes years and years and years to have mastery, to understand how you help heal people on this journey. And so Inside Out really came out of my wanting to bring to the world these people who I know are never going to be on Instagram. They are never going to be on Facebook because that's not what they do. They heal. And that was really that, that thought about that.
1: So what exactly is it? Is it an uh, in-person event? What, what is the format of it? So um, to be really honest, I had to put it aside
0: a couple years ago because I was my husband was going through a, a healing crisis himself. So it sort of, ha- just as I was getting ready to launch it, it sort of, I had to pu- put it on side. So really now it's just mostly doing speaking events. Okay. Yeah. You know, speaking events and um, a lot of mentorship. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, uh, whenever I can, I really work on bringing these unbelievable um, individuals to the forefront because they really are special at what they do. Awesome. So it's shining a spotlight on people that can offer wisdom. Exactly. Because we talked about, like, wisdom is the new wellness, because wellness is in the doing, and wisdom is in the being. And when you really live in the place of living in wisdom, that really
1: starts shifting a, a, a lot of things in your life. So you talk a lot about the journey to joy. What has been your personal journey to joy? I'm going to tell you. When I
0: sold Equinox, I really thought that my life was going to be this ongoing feeling of joy. Like, do you remember the first time you were on a roller coaster ride? Does anybody remember that? Remember when you're just like, ah, <laughs> like you're so <laughs> excited that that feeling is just of complete exhilaration. Mm-hmm. I really thought that when we sold Equinox that that's what every day was going to feel like. I just thought, oh my God, I'm going to have more money than I ever imagined I was going to (laughs) have. And I just thought every day was going to be that. Mm -hmm. And then we sell the company, and we worked kind of hard to sell it, you know. You go through a lot of phases when you're selling your company. And I just remember sitting there the day that we sold, and all these like big fat zeros get wired into your bank account. you're like, yes, yes, oh my God, the American dream. I mean, you're like so excited. And we go out that night, we go to Cipriani's, we're in New York with all of our friends, and you're just like, I don't think it's hit me. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I just wasn't feeling what I thought I was going to be feeling. And then um, it was around right around Christmas time, and we all go on vacation. And I come back on January 4th, and my son goes to school, and his dad goes to work, and I realized I had nowhere to go. And I don't think I thought about that because yeah. I've been working since I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what do I do? So I went to Equinox and worked out. <laughs> 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 Probably turned my hour and a half workout into a three-hour workout just because I I All had pick-up. <laughs> and I was going to go to the school and now pick-up. and Aww. So I just wasted time and... And it just kept going, and I kept waiting. And like, how do you tell your friends? Like, you're feeling down and dull and a little bit depressed. You're thinking, like, can't tell somebody that. They just know that you made a lot of money. Like, you look like a fool. So I'm just, this going on. About six weeks later, and I keep waiting again for this to hit me. I'm like, it just hasn't hit me yet. And when I woke up, I realized, well, what hit me was I'd never been so alone and so scared and so uncertain of who I was. Because Equinox and me, was we were this mind meld. There was no, it was so integrated. There was, my identity was all of Equinox. And I had no identity. Like I was so, so lost. And if somebody would ever told me that we would have sold the company and I would have went into like this deep depression, I would have been like, "What are you kidding? Like, wow. I'm gonna be on a roller coaster ride, baby! <laughs> I'm like, I'm flying! Like, this is great! I'm like a happy girl! I know what I want to do! I'm save the world and swim and <laughs> with the dolphins! And I am just so clear! And that was like so dark! And you have to go so deep!" Like, there's a depth to, like, find your truth and realize, like, what's ego and what's this? And, oh, my gosh. And through that journey, through that deep journey of excavating and really coming down to find my real truth, like the being. You know, we're all, like, these human beings, but we're really spiritual beings first. But we don't spend time to really explore what that really looks like until we have to. Somebody gets a disease or they get sick or, you know, something horrible happens. And for me, it was like something great that happened. And I'm in that time. So for me, it was that, that deep um, excavate and journeying into self, self. And when I got through that on the other side, and let me tell you, deep work takes a long time. Like when I hear people saying, oh, I'm going on a spiritual retreat and they're like, they come back and they're like, oh, it was amazing. I'm flying. I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> you didn't go on a real spiritual retreat because when you go on a spiritual retreat, you come back and you're numb because, you know, you've seen stuff that you don't want to see. It's deep. And, you know, that's for me. When you get to the other side of that, you are so liberated you are just, you are living your truth. You are not proving your truth. You are living in your values. You're not trying to, to please anybody. You know, you're not trying to be the, the good wife, the good daughter. The, you, know, you are just living in your truth. And when you are living in that place of truth, you are just, like I said, you're just liberated. It, everything changes. That's joy. That's real happiness you know, when you get to that other side of of that place. So for me, it was that digging down, getting dirty, getting real, you know, um, seeing that. How long did it take you to come
1: out of that funk?
0: You know, the interesting thing is not a lot of people in my life even knew I was going through the funk because I think I did it, but I was still able to rally. Like, that's what you do. You you go and you rally and you, you know... um, and then when it was time to go in, I mean, I did it mindfully. You know, I wasn't just spewing my stuff all over the place with my family. And I was, I was working on myself. But I would say it took probably a good two years Okay. Yeah. to really, so and then you go out there and you try it on. <laughs> you know, you start seeing your truth, and then you have to go out and go out in the world and do it. Mm. And then you have to realize the people in your world are going to still be relating to you like the old person. And then they don't like it, you know. <laughs> they want the old person back. I remember somebody saying, "I want the old Lavinia back," and I'm thinking, "Oh, is that the one that cared about you more than she cared about herself?" Well, she's gone. <laughs> she's not around anymore. Oh, that's really. She's cool. got other things going on, like that. You know, so it's it takes a little time,
1: you know. So, were there any words of wisdom or mantras that you would, you know, say to yourself, or or words that you currently live by today?
0: Well today I have a whole practice that I do um, so for me it's and you know I, in my practice I also I'm always doing energy work to pick up my energy you know I'll have a, often people say, "Do you always wake up with any in the best mood?" I'm like, nope, I'm human <laughs> and we have to work on it we have to work on that it it takes practice so I think it is to have a practice I have a meditation practice I also follow a um a whole, uh, I work with Nam, so it's an energy work, and it's chanting, and, you know, for me, I love it, Um, and I think it's like, I've also learned if, if I'm not going to say anything to elevate everyone, I'm not going to say anything, whereas before, I think I was much more, um, I just said, what I needed to say. Um, Today, I live my truth. I don't always say my truth, but I live my truth. And that was a big shift for me as well.
1: I think that leads into a, a perfect transition to this next question, because tonight's event is titled Recommit to You. So what do those words mean to you? First of all,
0: I really believe that everything starts and ends with us. So self, you know, for me, it's even in business, and today I, I'm I'm working a lot again, and it's really understanding who you are. So for me, it's, it starts with self-love, you know, um, self-respect, you know, respect of others, you know. So for me, it's like being really clear. I'm all about clarity. I love the word clarity. I love things to be really, really clear, you know. So it's, oh, did I just? Okay. So, um, again, recommitting to yourself is really about starting here with you, you know, really defining who you are, what your boundaries are, what is, what your, um, values are, you know, and I really think in a world that's so much craziness that's going on. I mean, even today in one of the companies that I'm with, you know, we had to let somebody go, a a man go for sexual harassment Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, there is such a, for me, like there's such a clear, a a clarity about, we just have to be clear on who we are and, and what we will not, uh, where our boundaries are. Like boundaries are really
1: important to recommit. So what do you say to the person who says, I'm too busy to even think about like things like that. I don't have the time I'm, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know, I don't have the resources for a healthy life. What do you say to that person? Um,
0: that's an excuse. I mean, everybody has can work out. You know, there are days where I literally do 20 minutes in my bedroom. You know, I mean, you don't always have the time to get the workout you want. But especially now, like there are so many amazing, amazing 20 minute workouts that you can get on the computer and literally do, and you only need your body you need your own body weight. It's great. It's hit. It's high intensity training and you can do that and really, you know, but it's it's really making that decision. You know, discipline is so important. Discipline is so important in life. Discipline is so important in work, in everything. And when you create it and you commit to it, and that's another thing like for me integrity, my word Like, that's part of the whole values. Like, when you start living in your word and you live in your integrity, you'll get it done. You will get it. You will figure it out if it's important enough to you.
1: Well, you said something earlier that's really uh, means something in this conversation. You said that you can be really fit and still very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people that have, you know, just solid determination to get into the gym, but they don't meditate. They're not spiritually healthy. They're not emotionally healthy. They're a complete mess in the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So so fitness doesn't necessarily represent health. So when they say, oh, you know, I'm too busy for the whole meditation thing. I'm too busy to figure out, you know, my emotional problems and even go there. But I've got all this time to, you know, work out. That's how I clear my mind. Like, how do you create the balance between those two worlds? Well, you know, I... I
0: mentor a lot of young people. And what I tell them is, there's a a few steps. Even before you meditate, is be conscious of your thoughts. Be conscious of your words. Be conscious of your feelings. Be conscious of your attitude and your behavior. So even if you just be conscious of those five things, you can shift your life pretty unbelievably you know, that's even before meditating, you know, your thoughts, our thoughts are so powerful and they run. Sometimes your life doesn't run you, your thoughts do. Mm -hmm. And if you will just take some control of those thoughts and then what comes out of your mouth, you know, stop before you speak, you know, be careful. Am I, am I, Bringing sunshine to this conversation, or am I sucking the oxygen out of this group? Oh man! You know, like (laughs) I've been guilty of sucking the oxygen out. (laughs) The
1: what? But I've been guilty of that. Yeah, and
0: that doesn't build anybody up. No. You know that. You know that there isn't really any good that comes out of that. You know. Um, So those are the things. Your attitude. I mean, attitude is so important. And then when you start getting mastery in that, then, my young people, I start even talking about meditating. But until then, we do these 30-day challenges of 30 days where you're just going to be mindful of your thoughts, 30 days, be mindful of your words, 30 days, be mindful of your feelings. And, And you'd be shocked. Six months later, a lot of these young people have made some huge shifts in their consciousness and in their living.
1: What keeps you motivated? You said that when you sold the company and you didn't have anywhere to go, it mm-hmm. threw you into a world that you that was foreign to you. Yeah, You've since, you know, spent many years out of that world. So what today keeps you motivated? Um, I love connecting with people. I'm
0: just, I'm a people person. I love connecting with people. I love helping people. On different journeys, I think I'm really good at um, being able to help somebody on a path, you know, and connect dots, you know. So for me, it's, I've been very fortunate to have different groups that I'm able to share my gifts with. And then in turn, they give back to me. So there's this beautiful reciprocity of energy and people growing together and flowing together and and just that really inspires me. And I'm really inspired also by young people and how many young people today in their 20s and 30s, and they all have these purpose projects where, you know, we didn't see that years ago when I was in my, you know, when I was at that age. I'm inspired by young people and their commitment to serve because I believe being of service creates so much good in your life and so much happiness and so much joy. So to see young people naturally and organically doing that, I mean, that just fills my heart.
1: So looking back over your career, the success with Equinox, your involvement in the wellness space, this is a, it, it don't, don't take it as a trick question, yeah. but, but take it as an honest question. Yeah. What is the best mistake you've ever made. So something that happened that, at the time, might have felt like a mistake, but it actually was the best thing that could have ever have happened.
0: Well, I think that breakdown that I had, that breakdown of falling and ending up in the hospital. Wait, you didn't tell that story to everybody. So I know it was when we were opened. We just had opened Equinox. And I ended up, I jumped out of bed, thinking I was late for work. It was a Sunday morning, and I landed flat on my face. Broke my cheekbone, ended up in Lenox Hill Hospital. I anyway, from there, and I was super, super fit. That was the beginning of me saying, Well, wait a minute, what does it mean to be fit if I'm ending up flat on my face with a broken, you know, cheek at this young age? And that was the beginning of my journey of exploring what wellness was. So, though it was a mistake that I was working way too hard. I was also clearly proving my worth to everyone because, you know, this was in the early 90s and women, I was in business with my two brothers and quite frankly, a lot of people would sometimes think, oh, she must be like, I remember somebody thinking I was the wife (laughs) that needs a little job and my brothers would be like, oh, wait till she starts with them. because I would bring the Italian girl from New Jersey off the shelf. <laughs> she wasn't always pretty. <laughs> but I love her anyway. <laughs> but... um So, you know, I was, I was always proving my worth, proving my worth, proving I had it. you know, if my brother got in at seven o'clock, I got in at 6.45, Mm -hmm. you know, it just was like, you know, you were just constantly as a woman in those days, you felt like you had to work harder and you had to work smarter and you had to do more and you just always needed so much, you know? And then I ended up, you know, if I think about what I kept going, I would have ended up in the grave, you know? So that I think was a mistake. But I'm glad it happened because I know one thing, for damn sure, I would not be the woman I am today if that incident didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I would still be caring caring just about, you know, very superficial things because I feel like that was was where I was. I was on that road to, um, there wasn't a lot of depth, you know. Mm -hmm. So I feel very blessed that that happened. Cool.
1: Uh, so before we open it up to the audience, I want to just leave one takeaway, which is a book or a podcast that you think every person in their twenties or thirties should read or listen to.
0: Um, I love Dr. Levery's book, Alchemy of Love. Um, it's online. He, it it is just a book that's so pure and it's really about self-love And when you connect with self-love and you follow the principles and the the things that he suggests and that, I really believe you vibrate at such a place of love and joy and that whatever you want in your life will manifest. And I've seen it happen with numerous people. So that's really would be the
1: one. The alchemy of love. (laughs) All right, I got to check that out. So we're going to open it up to the audience if anybody has any questions. One in the back. Oh, we have a microphone. <laughs> Hi. Um, thank you so much for uh, this conversation and, and knowing so much about how you discover yourself. And you mentioned that you mentor young people, and uh, and that's what I'm going to do this summer. And I'm going to talk to high school students. Um, so, what is what tip can you give to talk to people? who are from quite a different world from you and you want to connect with them and help them grow? Well, I think, first of
0: all, you have to get into their into their listening. You have to be, um, when I go in there, you know, I go in there with my Converse sneakers on and I just relate with them. Like, I go in in a very relatable way. And, you know, when you go in with a pure heart, And you don't have an agenda. And you really just go in with this pure heart to be of service and to help. And not like, I have to look good, I have to look smart, I have to, you know, don't go in with an agenda. Just go in with a pure heart to be there, be of service, hold the space for them to to bloom or not, you know. Don't have an agenda for what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. Um, They just feel your purity. And before you know it, they really trust you. And what I learned about people that kids that age or young people that age, when they trust you, you can take them anywhere. You can really take them anywhere.
1: Anybody else have a question? Yeah, on the other side there. Hi there. Um, I feel um, when you are talking about re- meeting friends who are like, okay, that person who cared more about you versus caring more about myself, that person is now gone. How do you toe the line between um, really what other people might consider being selfish and what you consider, um, you know, self-investment or exploration? Um, I feel like there's a really fine line between self-indulgent and, you know, being true to yourself.
0: Well, I mean... When you're being true to yourself, you're being true to your feelings. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being true to your feelings, what, what you want. Like, if you don't want to do something, to be able to say, I would rather not do that. I mean, I don't see where that's self-indulgent. I don't know if I'm missing something. But for me, it's just really about being in your truth and then being able to live your
1: truth. Um I don't I don't think I think sometimes people are even unclear on what their truth is, you know, And I think a lot of times, especially with so many people comparing themselves to this facade of a world that they want to live in, you know, and then with all these social media and just media and advertisements and everything coming at us, uh, of almost being inadequate, You know, how do we tap into who we really are, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to what we think we want to be, you know? Well, I think you have to stop
0: looking outside of yourself. Like, that's really what it's about. Like, your identity, your real identity is not how many followers you have. It's not how much money you make. It's not the college you went to. It's not the address that you live at. Your identity is none of those things. And I think that's what happens: is that um, a lot of people think of themselves as as all of that, but that's not really the essence of who you are. It has nothing to do with the things that you've acquired or you've. It's 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 your it's your pure essence. It's that being
1: part of us that lives inside of us is where your where your real truth lives. I think a little bit too about um, the last question, and in, in combination with. Uh, the notion of I don't have enough time is that uh, I know for myself, I struggle with, you know, I just want to stay home and do things for myself. I want to paint my nails and read a book and you know, watch, you know, a show or meditate or work out or whatever. But Caitlin just called and I want to go hang out with Caitlin or Lauren just called and I got to go over there. Or, you know, somebody else is like, you know, calling you to go do things. And and you're like, oh, well, I want to sustain the friendship, but I also want to take time for myself. If I say no, then am I somehow damaging, you know, if I continue to, to harbor myself and, and not go out and say no, am I somehow damaging a friendship or is that kind of being more selfish and in a good way, mm-hmm. um, you know, paying attention to myself. Where's the balance in the social side as, as opposed to like the inward? Well, I think first
0: of all, you have to know who you are, you know, and you have to just carve out, you have to like put it in your, in your book, you know, Friday night, I'm gonna reconnect to self. but mm-hmm. maybe that's something you do once a month. You know, I'm also a big believer in journaling. I think journaling is a, is a wonderful way to connect with yourself. So that could be done, you know, 15 minutes before you go to bed at night. So it doesn't have to be these big things. You don't have to, you know, you could just get at home. I'm, I love rituals. I think rituals are beautiful and they're so loving. And, you know, ritual very often is nothing different than what you would do, but you put an intention to it. So when you do it with intention, it shifts into a ritual. So your bath, you know, many people bathe. Turn that 20 minutes into a a ritual. You know, create, this is my time for me to let go and release and light your candle or listen to music. So you could take, you know, really um, the ordinary you know, self-care things and turn them into a ritual that, in turn, will make you feel more cherished. We have to cherish ourselves, especially women. I'm sorry, men, but (laughs) if we don't cherish us, trust me, nobody else is. I mean, when I met my husband, it was very clear. I cherish me so much, And if you want to be in my life, you're going to have to cherish me too. (laughs) And he does. And he loves doing it. He loves it. And we have this beautiful, I cherish him, he cherishes me. But, you know, I remember, and this is a true story, he picked me up from the airport the first time we were dating about three weeks. And I had to go back to New York for an event, and i come back, and it was a Sunday. I said, would, would you like to pick me up? It's a Sunday. He goes, sure, I'll pick you up. So I, lay, I text him that, you know, the eagle has landed. I'm so cute. <laughs> and, great. And so I stop in
1: That's our show for this week.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life.